Hello and welcome to the Round 11 review on the Dr. Supercoach podcast. I'm joined this week by a bloke who thinks he can just do every podcast on the Dr. Supercoach page. Peter, how are you, Peter? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. I basically live here now. Yes, yes. Um, I, I do have a question. Do we call you Pistol on this, Peter? Or is that just an exclusive uh, Thursday uh, podcast? I think uh, you might need to ask Chizo. I'm, I'm not sure you have permission to do so. So we'll stick with Peter for this podcast. And uh, who knows, maybe it's a different Peter. Maybe there's two Peters right, and well, one's on the other podcast. <laughs> no worries. I'll, I'll park Pistol for this podcast at least. How'd your week go, mate? It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. I copped the Goldie Donut, like I'm sure half the people out there, maybe more than half, and also a couple of bad Primo scores like uh, Montagna and Hall. But other than that, it went decently, so I've managed to maintain in ranking. How did you go? Um, I also copped the Goldie Primo, and my forward line just failed to fire a shot. My, um, my highest score was Barlow, who was doing a tagging job. And then I had Dow House, Montagna, um, Dusty, Deledio didn't score a ton, and it was just yeah, a bit of a nightmare week for me, but glad it's over and on to the next one. Um, it's only onwards and upwards. Yeah, well, can only get better from here, that's for sure. Um, we're going to get straight into it, and looking at the rookies that we're going to need to think about downgrading this week, at least, um, I'm going to start with the highest break-even, and that is Mitch Brown. He's up to a 99 break-even, 290k and it's getting harder and harder to say yeah we'll just hold him through the buys now isn't it peter yeah i think it's his time to go finally time to make the chop as simple as that just uh straight out of your team yeah there's i mean there's back there's backmen available to downgrade too so you know this is the time yeah I, i tend to agree i'm trading him out this week for sure um the next highest break even is georgie hewitt who's made us more cash than we probably would have thought at the start of the season. He's up to 282k and he's got a 95 break even. Um, what are his chances of playing this week? Do we desperately need to get rid of Hewitt this week? I don't think we will. His head knock concussion from last week looked pretty bad. He was sitting on the sideline kind of not knowing what was going on. Um, yeah, he didn't look in a good way. I'm guessing they're going to give him a week off. I'm not a doctor, but... Yeah, best guess would be that I give the young lad a rest, and that means we don't need to trade him out because he won't drop in price. Yeah, unfortunately for the kid, fingers crossed that he does miss this week so we can prioritise other rookies that are tending to peak. Um, the next highest break-even on our list here is Tippin Woody, who has a 68 break-even. He's up to 384k. Probably safe to hold him through the buys, but there has been talk of him being rested this Friday. How does that influence your decision this week, Peter? If you can afford to hold him and play another rookie, I'd probably do that. But if you can't, then you have to trade him out to a rookie or you desperately need the money, then probably would trade him out. Otherwise, yeah, you could hold him until his buy and then downgrade him to one of the round 13 primos that will then play by the time of his round 14 buy. I think that would probably be the best option, but... If you need the money, he's at a good price. Almost reaches you know maximum price. Probably it's got another ten k in it. But yeah, as I said, depends on uh, where your team's at at the moment. Yeah, there's a chance he can get up to that four hundred k mark, which would just be um, amazing considering he started at one hundred and two k, which is the basement price. 
Um, someone that started very low and has already made us 300k. I traded him out last week. I'm not sure about you. Uh, Carriage has a break even of 56 and he is 417k. Um, if you had Carriage this week, I think it's simple. You just hold, right? Yeah, I've got him and I'm holding him. It's scoring. Well, I mean, his score was just massive. So hopefully you can do a couple more of them in a row and that will you know, hold him throughout the bye and he'll score well and I'll win. God, I hope not. <laughs> oh, man. I, I knew it was risky trading him out for the Brisbane game because we all know how, how good their defense is, but, geez, it was... Uh, gee, I couldn't have drank enough on that uh, on that day, that's for sure. Um, Ruggles, he's one that looks like he's going to struggle to hit his break-even. It's up at 54, which isn't huge, but his scoring has um, suggested that he'll, he'll find it difficult to get there. But he has gone up to 247k. What would you do with the Ruggles? Yeah, he's cooked. I ditch him this week. Some of the uh, downgrade options for him share the same buy as him as well. So you can keep your buy structure. And I think it's just a nice cash cash injection before the buys. Um, for those who are tossing up between Brown and Ruggles and do have a bit of a... Like, do want to consider their buy structure, um, what would your best advice be regarding that little matchup? I would probably first definitely look at your buy structure and see what you need more. If you have too many round 13 players, then don't do um, Mitch Brown to a downgrade chin. I'd then go Ruggles. But if you have, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like if you're going for league or something, then I'd probably ditch Mitch Brown just because he's going to drop money and Ruggles probably will hold his value this week. Is that something similar you would do? Um, I think so, yeah. it's It does depend on whether you're going for league or ranking. Um, you just really have to weigh out what that extra, say, 20K means to you, which Brown is probably going to get close to dropping by the time his buy does come around. So, I mean, you don't really want to put your buy structure in jeopardy, but Brown is just... The, the price he's going to drop is probably significant enough to maybe even just look past that. Um I don't know if I'm being crazy or not. Is that is that crazy thinking? Um, no, all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Marcus Adams has a break-even of 53, and uh, well, judging by his scoring history, there's a good chance he's going to hit that. He's 370K. I have not even thought about trading him out this week. What about you? No, I'm very happy that I still have him and didn't trade him when he was injured because he's just a machine. I didn't think he was going to score well last week watching the game but in that last quarter he was awesome and basically got half his points just in that last quarter so stood up when he needed to and got rewarded for doing so so he's firmly in my team and I'm not even sure I will trade him out this year if I can keep him as my bench cover all year I'll be a happy man yeah ideally you'd love to have him between that forward or defense um f or d7 spot um that would just be amazing considering you know he can churn out those eighties, and yeah, he's he's just he's been an outstanding player this whole year. Actually, he really caught everyone by surprise, especially in that first month of footy. Um, someone that hasn't caught anyone by surprise, well, you'll know who he'd be a gun straight away. Christian Petrarca has a break even of forty seven, and his price is three hundred twelve k. Now his scoring potential straight off the bat just suggests that we have to hold him. Yeah, definitely. If you are going to downgrade don't do it this week and wait till his buy 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, Jacob Hopper, along similar lines, his break-even's only 39 in his 268k. Um, again, you just hold him until he's by at the very least. You could probably still hold him beyond that, but depending on your trade structures, yeah, I'd, I'd hold to the buy at least. Yeah, same. I do have him. I'm a bit worried about his scoring potential like decreasing every single week. I know he came out with a ton. I'm hoping he can score somewhat high again just to get that extra bit of money. Otherwise, I don't know, just might have to keep him if uh, he's not going to generate enough cash. But fingers crossed he pulls it out and does a good job soon. Yeah, um, Smith for Collingwood, 304k, 39 break-even. Um, I've been really impressed with how, I mean, he only scored a 66 on the weekend, I believe, but his scoring potential is decent enough to hold him through his buy and just switch out for a Trangrove or someone like that. And I, I think he's got the first buy around. I don't know if I'm Yeah, he does. It's kind of in a peculiar spot because you don't know whether to hold him through his buy and then just play him throughout the buyers or ditch him before the buy. It's kind of difficult. It definitely depends on your team structure and if you need around 13 midfielder to get through the buyers. Personally, I think I'm going to hold him until I don't need him anymore. Um, wait, that made no sense. No, no not at all. <laughs> why, would you, why would you hold someone if you didn't need, need them? I would probably <laughs> ditch him next week to upgrade into a primo, but if you were going to hold him, um, I yeah, wouldn't begrudge you for doing so throughout the buys. Yeah, I plan on trading him next week to one of Jansen or Trangrove. Um, yeah, I just I just need to keep that money flow going, but definitely hold this week. That's for sure. His break evens are only thirty nine, and he's very likely to hit that at least. Um, Darcy Byrne Jones' break even is thirty five, and if you held him through that little price drop, you've been pretty well rewarded. He's three hundred and twenty eight k, and he's another player that you could probably just hold through the buys. What do you reckon, Pete? Yeah, same as uh, Tip and Woody, I guess. Hopefully, he has a decent game this week. And DBJ is probably sellable when he reaches his buy for one of those special round 13 primos uh, defenders because there's quite a few of them. Yeah, I've, I've definitely got my eye on someone like Rance that week. Um, he's got the first buy, does he not? Man, I yep, should have studied this a lot better. <laughs> so does uh, uh, Laird, who yep. is going to drop in price. would be a great um, option. There's a couple of others. Maybe you might look at uh, Rosa, who is particularly cheap. He's 357900 and has a break-even of 89, so he'll drop again this week and then, well, likely drop again this week and then has a buy and then you could downgrade to him and he could be pretty good cover for the rest of the year. He's uh, already had three pretty decent scores above 104. Um and some really shitty scores. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast. No, we are now. I think we're PG now, so you're all right. <laughs> all right. Um, three worst scores, I should say. So not great to have on your field, but a good loopholing option from your bench. Yeah, and similar to Rosa, Matty Suckling is in a similar position. He's 398k, and he's got a break-even of 32. How would you compare the two? Um, me, myself... I'm in the predicament where I'm holding Rich, and I'm actually considering getting Suckling um, to be my D6 by the end of the year and Rich my D7 and just being able to loophole him onto the field whenever he scores that 110-plus score. 
But for those who do have all reliable defensive options, I'd probably say get Rosa. Um, what are your thoughts along these lines? Yeah, so basically that's it. You want someone to... I'm assuming people know how the emergency loopholing works. So if your uh, D7 scores particularly well, you have a non-playing D8, which you then put on the field, and you can take your D7 score when they've got the emergency on. So you want someone who can score very high. Uh, someone that's consistent probably isn't the best one to have in that role. Maybe um, they should be on your field instead. So Suckling would be someone that comfortably field. He's going at a 94.1 average, excluding his um, injury-affected game. So he represents quite a bit of value at 398k, whereas Rosa represents extraordinary value, but he's probably not safe to have on your field, but definitely that loopholing option. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely something to consider, especially going through the buys, looking at these guys um, as also having buy cover, considering they're so cheap and they're almost... I mean, you could downgrade Tip and Woody to Rosa, which is crazy to think. And in a week, you might be able to do it with Suckling. But, I mean, Suckling will probably hit his break-even. So that's unlikely. But, um, yeah, it's definitely something to consider getting on a rotation player in that D7 spot. Um, now, we're going to look at the Bubble Boys next. And Collins is the one that stands out. He did manage to tap the ton on the weekend, scoring a straight 100. And his break-even's down at negative 89 with a 117k price tag. He's the obvious downgrade if you didn't go early on, on him already, Pete. Yeah, it's definitely between Collins or Tom Lee from St Kilda with uh, Hugh Goddard out for the year and Sam Fisher out for a month with a hamstring injury. Tom Lee should come into the side and play throughout the buys. So I think got to toss up between them. But Collins scoring 100... I mean, with a minus 89 break-even is pretty enticing, and I think he's probably the one to go for just for that quick extra cash. Man, I don't think we can do any more Tom Lee shout-outs on these podcasts without our man Brycey. Oh, sorry, not Brycey, Houston. Um, it's just his boy, so I, it kind of feels wrong talking about him. Yeah, that's pro- probably for the other part. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that to, uh, to Chizo to do a proper tribute. Um, looking to the other, um, well, there's not many other bubble boys. It's Marsh with a negative 22 break-even, 117K. Um, he doesn't really stack up in comparison to Collins, so I, I haven't considered him myself. Have you had a look at Marsh? No, full back for Sydney, you know, uh, Teddy Richards and, you know, to come back into the side, unless he played this week, which I don't recall. Um so someone that I wouldn't get, especially with better options. There's also Tom Cole, West Coast, who's got a minus 19 break-even. He's a bit more interesting just because he's a defensive midfielder. Sorry, he's a defender and a midfielder. So it would help people uh, with that DPP, um, although he doesn't look like he's going to have great job security or cash generation. So probably a pass for me on that one. Yeah, McGovern comes back this week as well, you'd think. So there's every chance that he'll he'll end up on the outer this week already. So Okay, so the next player on our list of bubble boys, we've we've got a fourth one here. It's Matthew Goodyear. Um his break even's up at twenty three, so there's a chance he'll drop this week. One twenty three K. Um he's your boy, he's a Collingwood boy, so what do you think of uh, Goodyear? I wouldn't recommend getting him, that's for sure. He's only averaging 25.5 and his break-even is 23. So 
he might maintain, but it's uh, a bit risky for a bubble boy. Personally, I don't think he'll play uh, in this Queen's Birthday Clash on Monday. He'll probably be dropped. He was kind of invisible for the majority, if not the whole game. So back to the VFL for him. A couple more good games there, and he'll be back. But, yeah, don't, don't jump on this one. Yeah, it's... I thought it was just about impossible to go two games with a combined score of 40. And then you look towards other Collingwood players that have played this year, and Corey Galt actually beat him. Yeah, it's quite impressive how poorly uh, Corey Galt has scored. He has managed to score from two games. He has scored a total of 26 points. Wow. So, yeah. That's, that's almost game-changing. <laughs> it's it's not very impressive if if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that when I read that. Um, now, someone who's only just managing to outscore Goodyear by about thirty points is Aaron Hall this week. Um, my disappointed my disappointment has absolutely peaked with him. Um, he's at four hundred thirty one k. His break even's one hundred thirty eight and. Uh, you just got to ride the ship, don't you, um, don't you, Pete? Well, you have two courses of action. This would probably be the week where if you're going to jump off him, jump off him now. If you're not, you're holding on for the long run. Um, pros and cons of each, probably the pro of holding him is that Gold Coast draw opens right up. Um, they actually only have, I guess, three more difficult games for the entire year. Um, the draw reads as following. It's got Richmond, Hawks, which is tough, St Kilda, Brisbane, Bulldogs, which is tough, Fremantle, Melbourne, GWS, which is tough, Essendon, Collingwood, Port. Um, there is also four of those at Metricon um, against relatively nice opposition. So I think he could come back and score well, or his done because he's been scoring progressively worse and worse so one of those two options I mean <laughs> depends how many trades you have left if you've got a lot of trades it's probably safer to ditch him if you're struggling with trades like I am you're going to have to ride it out for the long haul look I'm not I'm not exactly struggling for trades but I'm going to back him in anyway I think from this point forward I'm, st- I'm still going to heavily put my faith in him to become or to main, or he wouldn't be a top six forward anymore, but um, I'd, I'd heavily back him in to get back into that top six from here on out. So, um, you mentioned long that, haul, yes, long haul. yes, long how haul. Come, how come everyone is ignoring these? No, no, parts? no, I heard it. No, I did hear it. It's this just, is, it's just disgraceful. Please. And I thought our listeners um, would, ah, oh, geez, I just, I can't justify that sort of action, Pete. That, that's the sort of thing that Pistol says, not not Peter. I, I uh, would appreciate if people commented whether they liked the puns or not, if you're listening to this, because I will work more in if uh, people like it, and if they don't, then I will still work more in. So, yeah, let me know in the comments. I heavily encourage everyone listening to the podcast to comment ridiculous amounts of abuse at Peter for these these terrible puns. It's... They actually hurt my ears, and I'd prefer for them to stop ASAP. <laughs> um, someone that I needed to stop ASAP because I had them um, against me in a league matchup this week was Tom Rockliffe, who oh, wow, 
Gee, he cracked a double ton. Um, according to Harold Sun, it's the first one for the year. I think they got that one wrong. Um, and just, oh, wow, he just 48 touches. I think he had at least eight tackles from what I saw. Um, just an, a crazy all-round performance, but I'm still not going to back him in to be a top eight midfielder from here on out. I just, I can't see it. And even at that crazy discounted price, his injury history just worries me too much. I'm not going to go near him, Pete. So I'm a massive Rocky fan. I think I've had him about seven times in the past two seasons. You'd think that would make um, you not a fan. Yeah. I, I keep trading him back in every time he gets injured. So this time I decided, I actually had the exact money to get him in last week and decided that I won't do it to myself, and then he pulled out at 204. So I'm a massive Rocky fan, <laughs> but it is becoming uh, increasingly difficult to be his fan. Um, what I was going to say was in years gone by, he averages about 130 after like round 10. He goes on massive um, streaks on the run home, so I can see why everyone's getting excited and jumping on him. But he hasn't had this bad injury history so much before uh, in the last two seasons. He's got more of a... Um, not soft tissue injuries a... before. No, they're not. it's not really soft. I think he has nerve... It's something to do with his... He has nerve injuries which hurt his hamstring. It's not like he's tearing his hamstring every time. I think it's nerve-induced something. I'm not a doctor, so I can't recall what it is, but it sounds a bit um, sus, so I'm staying away. I think if you are getting him this week, you are chasing the 204 points. He is unlikely to score that again. He could go on a massive run home, but if you are playing it safe, uh, he's probably a safer option with others at his price. Way more safer, including um, Gray. And I don't want to say Selwood, but I'll have to say Selwood. Yeah, um, first of all, I'd just like to note that that's the second time you've said that you're not a doctor, but I like to think that we are the doctor, so maybe just rephrase that a little bit better next time. Dr. Supercoach is the, is the name, Pete. Um, second of all, yeah, he, he does always get to get off to uh, rocky starts, but yeah, I just can't back him into to come home like he, like he has in the past just because of his injury history. It just seems so much worse than usual and I'm not point chasing so I'm just going to leave him to the side let others pick him and um, pray and assume the that the same thing's going to happen pardon? just hope for the best yeah exactly so um, <laughs> he's got a teammate and a teammate that I'm sure that you're not too happy with at the moment um, Steph Martin is his name alarmingly he's at 373k with a break even of 114 which he hasn't looked like getting near in the last month um uh you still own steph martin if i'm correct what are you looking at doing with him steph martin's been a pain in my butt for the last like three or four weeks um i am holding him and going to continue to hold him i'll deal with him during the buy if i have to upgrade him i will if I don't, he'll probably... don't know if I'm even going to push him to the bench and get a new Ruckman in. It's pretty uh, sad times for Smarten owners. Um, if you have a spare trade, probably ditch him sooner than later. Unless you don't have a spare trade, in which case you're like me and you're holding him and maybe upgrading 
another player later to uh, someone that has forward ruck DPP. Um, I feel like it's um, worth noting that he... I mean, the buys are, what, a week away. You get three trades during the buy. If I was ever going to trade him, if you've held him this long, I'd just hold him for the extra week or two, dump him on his buy for God knows who, and just, yeah, move on with it. Like When you've got three trades and you don't have to interrupt your upgrade-downgrade um, motion, so that would be my advice, but it's a lot easier saying that having not owned him and I'm sure you guys are going through a lot more frustration than I am oh, looking from the outside in. Um, looking at players that have, well, just, well, one in particular that's bottomed out, um, he's got 150 on the weekend, and I'm pretty sure 100 of those points were solely in that fourth quarter. Uh, no, I was going to say Scott Selwood, but Joel Selwood, he's 76 break even, 514k. Would you think about getting on him and especially over someone like Rockliffe? I would get on Selwood above Rockliffe. I think he is hopefully found some form. He usually also comes home pretty hard, so he would be my pick between the two of them at a similar price. And he, they have the same buy, so hopefully it's not throwing out his structure. They both have a low break even that they will... Both rise this week, but if I had to choose between Selwood or Rockcliffe, personally, I would go Selwood. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And someone that I'd actually go over the um, over Selwood or Rockcliffe is Robbie Gray at 510k. He did score poorly on the weekend, but that was predictable considering his record at the G and against Collingwood. Um, he's got a 107 break even. He's 510k. Um, Robbie Gray. So what would you do if you had Rockliffe, Selwood and Robbie Gray all on the platter for you? You're not biased, are you? Just as a port supporter, you're not going to pick Gray at all costs. Um, I would pick Selwood. There we go. Really? Uh, interesting after his last few weeks. No, I'm not being, not being biased at all. I just think the way Gray started the season is that is his true form and he's had hiccups with hamstrings and... Um, Port playing really poorly. I think with us starting to play some of our better footy now, um, Robbie Gray is just such an integral part of that and his scoring will reflect um, how Port go and I I expect us to at least break even. So his break even of a score is around 110-120. So um, no, no bias there at all. Yeah, it matters uh, about the buyout. A lot of people have at least double... Sydney midfielders, um, in which case he shares the same buy with them, so you have to be a bit careful about that. Another thing to note is Port Adelaide play in the next six weeks. Uh, they've got Bulldogs, Hawks, North, and GWS. Which oh, easy is run. Quite a frightening, yeah, quite a frightening prospect to be uh, looking at trading in a Port Adelaide player at this point in time, but um, the big guns usually don't slow down when they play big teams. Um, we should so, be able to build on our percentage really, over that run, I reckon. <laughs> a bit touch and go there. Uh, personally, <laughs> I would get Selwood. would get Selwood above Gray, but also it's so close to 50-50, so um, back, back your gut. So, yeah, my, my rankings would be Gray, then Selwood, then Rockcliffe, and yours would be Selwood, Gray, then Rockcliffe. Um, moving, moving towards the forward line, Toby Green... 
has gone down to 437k. His break even's 119. Would you consider him as a little, um, maybe maybe side swap for someone like Herridge down the line at all? Um, I consider it for maybe that F7 uh, M9 swing. He looks like a pretty good option in that regard. He does have some massive scores and some very, very small scores, so I wouldn't particularly want to field him. Um, although I'm not sure if I'd actually prefer to keep carriage instead of uh, green, but that's probably a different story. Yeah, see, I'd, I'd lean towards, if I, if those were my options, I'd lean towards keeping on um, keeping carriage. But with someone like Motlop, who's 429k with a break-even of 174, one or two more poor scores, and he'll find himself right around 350k, which would be something stupid like a, an 80k downgrade from carriage to Motlop. Now, if that were the case, Motlop's... His consistency hasn't been there um, probably every... Last year, he was pretty consistent, throwing in a few bad games. But um, I'd, I'd just back Motlop to have a better run home than Carriage and Green, and especially if, he, if you're pocketing 80k, um, having him at that F7, and I'm not sure if he's midfield eligible, but M9, um, that, that would be awesome. Yeah, he's definitely someone I'm looking forward to getting for that um, F7, M9 swing. As you said, if I can downgrade carriage to him for like 100k, I would not jump. Sorry, I would jump at that opportunity. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, moving into the back line, and there are some really enticing picks back here. Um, starting with Gibson, he's averaging 100. He's got a break-even of 64. He's 478k. Personally... I just I can't trust him his role um, anything to do with him really um, being a Hawthorne player, but I can really see the appeal in um, in trying to get Gibson in in the next week. He also um, he has a really good buy if I'm not mistaken. Um, would you look at getting Gibson? The round thirteen. Gibbo's got the round thirteen buy, which is the same as uh, you know. Sure, Daniel Rich Bartel, so it's a bit risky um, getting him in if you already have a lot of those players. So it's the opposite, Personally, he has a bad I don't buy. Know. He does have the bad buy. I don't know if it's worthwhile getting him in if the key defenders uh, at Hawks keep going down, so I'm not sure what his role will be and if it will be fantasy friendly. Um, there are good players around the same price who I'd probably get instead. Um, like we've talked about before, Rance is only 4K more and is still averaging a solid 98. So and he's going to drop again this week, you think? Yeah, with a break-even of 115, he'll probably have another slight drop and probably be at his lowest price right after his buy, which is perfect. And that is exactly when I plan on trading someone like Burn Jones to him, which will... It'll be less than... No, it'll be around a 100k jump. Um, Rory Laird is he'll end up being around that 460k mark as well in a week or two. He's got a 110 break even. Um, are you? I know you didn't start with him. You don't have him yet. Will you be targeting him throughout the buy rounds? I definitely will. Um, Crow's draw opens right up after the buys, and I think he will be one to take full advantage of that. And I'm expecting. 
somewhere around 100 average for him until the rest of the year. Might be a big call, but I really rate him and he's one that I will get into my teams. Yeah, I certainly don't think it's a big call unless champions are to um, continue to score him like they did on the weekend. There were a lot of complaints about his score. Um, it was only 74 with a lot of people thinking that it should have been significantly higher. Um, knowing you, I'm pretty sure you would have looked into this, Pete. Would, do you have any sort of explanation for the people that have led? I do. I went into it and looked up all the stats and the scores that we got told at the beginning of the year that Harold Sun shared with us and sat down and worked out what his score should be. And it was around 72 without the hidden extra bonuses. And then going through the rest of the players, there was a lot of players that did extremely well. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got scaled down a tiny bit. So 74 to me was perfectly justified. Long story short, he did have 30 touches, uh, 25 uncontested. He only had 314 metres gained, which is not that much when you get 30 touches. Um, So any sideways, backwards kicks that were effective is only one point. So he probably wrecked up, you know, half a dozen one-pointers within those touches. And he didn't lay a tackle. He got only one intercept um, mark. So there weren't many things going for him for point scoring rather than just bulk touches and in a game where you know one team dominates the other and there's a lot of players that do really really well it's not like he was the only player that got 30 touches um, and was best on ground or anything like that so 74 really was justified if that was a long story short then I'd hate to hear your long stories mate but yeah um you did you did get to it it's yeah it is a justified 74 unfortunately for us lead owners we just need him to crash the packs a little bit more and get a couple of contested possessions and um do some more damage with his kicking um someone that does do a lot of damage with his kicking and you're going to accuse me of being biased again here but I think Pittard offers really good um, value at 450k and his break-even is 91. Would you consider getting Pittard at any point for the rest of the season? I actually think Pittard is quite a good pick. He seems to not suffer from um, a flaw of most of the backmen, which is that their floor is very low. Besides his 64, he's been extremely consistent. He's had five scores between 80 and 90. So basically I'd say his floor is like 80 and he can show that he can score quite well. He's had um, three scores that were 100 plus, one of them being 100. So I think he'll probably average about low 90s for the rest of the year, which would make him a perfectly fine pick. And at 451,000, it's quite a bargain. Yeah, definitely. And I just, um, I don't know if it's because I, I obviously watch all the Port games, but he just he's a, he's been our best player this year and he's certainly been our most consistent and we we honestly when we're in the back line and we're chipping around or doing a switch or trying to get it out of there when um, the ball's active he is the one player that we look for and we get it in his hands and he's generally trustworthy with the ball even though he doesn't have that reputation um, someone that's definitely far more trustworthy um, that's because he's one of the most trustworthy in the AFL. Jared McVeigh has a break-even of 70. He's 442k. We tend to talk about him every week as a bottomed-out primo, but he keeps scoring these 
ordinary sort of 80 scores except for last week's 110. Um, with McVeigh, I'm probably going to wait until after his buy now because he's not going to be too much. Um, he's not going to do too much lifting in price until then. 110. I think you're living in the past. That was a week before last. Um, last week he was pretty ordinary with another mediocre 70. My computer has crashed. I think it's 76 or 78, um, something around there. So, yeah, he keeps finding ourselves on this list. And I still think he's a pretty good value pick, but I'm having my concerns at the moment. Yeah, he. Um, there's only so long that you can say he's still easing into it because he didn't have a preseason and you know started late in the season. But, yeah, I think it's... I think he's a very trustworthy pick, and uh, I'd be looking for him to score more of those tons, and he's still very much on my um, watch list from here on out. Now, I want to float a question to you, Pete. Um, I won't ask how many trades you'll have left when you get full primo, because I know that you fully live up to your nickname, Pistol, when it comes to trades. Um, how many trades would you like to have in an ideal, perfect world? Um, when you get full primo? Uh, personally, I know this varies for many people. I like to at least be happy with my team with about six trades left. If I can afford some luxury ones, I'd be all right having four trades for injuries. But I know I uh, push the boundary compared to a lot of people. But um, I've had I've had less than four before and been uh, <laughs> risking it for a while. You've got less than four now, mate. <laughs> accurate <laughs> um, personally I'd like to have um, like you I'd like to have six but that is including um, at least two players maybe one in the midfield and one in um, defense or the forward line or hopefully someone that can swing like suckling into both um, that includes someone on the bench that provides good cover like suckling or um, for example Mark Murphy in the midfield and like, someone like that so full primo with a couple of players on the bench that are really reliable and somewhere around four to six trades as well. Um, so we are getting a lot of questions about how many trades we should have by now. Um, it is, It does change from team to team because it depends on how far you are to, to full primo. So um, that's where I'd like to be when I get to full primo. And yeah, I, I feel like that's far more helpful than just telling you how many trades we have, Pete. How many primos are you away from being full primo? Um, I did suffer a couple of setbacks. I'm three away at the moment, and I've already planned on how I'm going to get them in uh, around the buys and what downgrades and upgrades I'm going to make. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I still have Adams on my field and carriage and also one more rookie, um, which I'll get rid of. But yeah, so three as well for me. Yeah, um, I think it's a position most will be in. Some will be in two who haven't suffered such injury um, woes that you certainly have, and I did with a couple of my PODs. I'm not mentioning Higgins. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I brought that back up again. I think I just lived it down. Um, that'll do us for the podcast this week. Thank you, Pete. One um, more thing. Wait. One more thing Wait. that I'm going to mention. Go. Sorry, because it keeps coming up, this question. Go. People are trading in early the rookies from yes. that you probably should get next week. 
in Janssen, Trangove, or Hams, or even um, Kate Stewart. People are getting them in early, which is incredibly risky. But I just did want to mention that people will have three trades next week um, prior to the first buy round. So if you were worried about, oh, I'm going to miss a rookie um, and I won't be able to to afford it because you think that there's two trades, there is three, so you can get all three of those, all three of those rookies if you wanted to, or you could, you know, upgrade, downgrade, do whatever, and get a rookie. Um, and still bank the cash. So there is no need to go early unless you're ditching a um, Mitch Brown or um, a George Hewitt if he plays. And really think about it. Um, people went early on Matheson. He got dropped when no one thought he would. Jensen plays for that same team. Um, people go early on um, people that aren't even injury prone, yet somehow we're going to go early on Trangrove and trust him to not get injured, which is absolutely craziness i mean i hope he never does get injured but i mean the likelihood is unfortunately higher than many other players that we've seen in the competition so um just hold off on these rookies and watch them for another week i mean someone like stewart who has probably the shakiest job security out of all of them he did score a 90 but in that hawthorne side nothing is guaranteed so just hold off on your players i plan on doing two downgrades next week and zero upgrades um, it's just, yeah, it's not worth jumping on these guys and being stuck with them for the rest of the year. Yep, I agree with you. So um, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And we will put the charity link to the Cancer Council up at the end of the post. So if you enjoyed it, um, please uh, give a gold coin donation even or whatever you want to the charity, and that would be fantastic. Yeah, much appreciated, guys. Um, thank you very much, Peter, and I'll see you Maybe next week if you're not tired from doing every single podcast that you could possibly do. <laughs> I might give it a rest next week, but we'll <laughs> see uh, what happens. All right. Thank you, mate. See ya. See ya, mate.